Hello, everyone. This is the WSL Pure One Ocean podcast. I am Reese. I am so stoked about this week's episode. Not only do we get to speak to one of the WSL's championship tour surfers, but we also have a special surprise announcement in this show. This week, we're speaking with Ace Bucken. Ace is a veteran professional surfer. He's been competing for well over a decade, and he has a couple championship tour wins in France and Tahiti, no less. And he beat Kelly Slater in both of those events, mind you. But while Ace is a stellar competitor, it's his life beyond the competitive jersey that really stands out. And that's why we're speaking with him today. Ace has been an ambassador for WCL Pure since day one. But we're just one of many organizations and causes that Ace lends his time to. And we'll dive into all of his activism in this episode as it's a robust conversation. So we're stoked to have Ace on the show, and we're stoked that our friends at Hydroflask are supporting this episode. Ace, like Paige Oms and Cliff Capono, is also an ambassador for Hydroflask's Refill for Good campaign, and it's rad that they support people like Ace working for positive environmental change. So thanks again to our friends at Hydroflask. We appreciate the support. All right, let's get into it with Ace Bucking. Ace, great to reconnect, man. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Reese. It's uh, it's Monday morning here in Avoca. Um, it's cyclonic weather. I've just kind of corralled four children out the door to school. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm stoked to be sitting down with you. It kind of feels like we're in the same room and um, yeah, reconnecting on things that we're passionate about. This is as close as reconnecting with friends gets at this point i guess so um i'll take it it's good it's good to see your face um i'm glad all as well uh, it's definitely been hectic times but um following along on social media it seems like you're trying to make the most of it and you know get that quality time with your family um you've got three little ones you mentioned a fourth one that's, that's glenn's kid right <laughs> yeah that we, we had a sleepover last night um my eldest daughter ruby um and glenn's uh one of glenn's two daughters poppy are best mates so um, they're off to school this morning. They're in kindergarten. Um, but yeah, I have three kids, two girls and a, a young boy, Ruby, Indigo and Harley. So yeah, I think, you know, this time for me, without the, you know, schedule of the tour, which I've been, you know, so used to now for 15 odd years, um, has allowed me time just to be a dad. It's, it's probably the first year where you know surfing hasn't been my overwhelming focus you know i think we're chatting offline and yeah it's just allowed me time to lean into other things i think when you're competing on the tour you're always kind of moving towards the next target or the next you know goal post there's an event to prepare for there's boards to work on and organize um you know you're chatting to your coach about kind of setting expectations and and themes to focus on and um, look, I think if I was maybe 22, 23 and kind of just starting that journey out, um, this time would be a little more difficult. But I think for me now, um, in my mid thirties with a young family, it's really refreshing to have the ability to step back and go, wow, like that's been a wild, hectic ride. And, you know, I've enjoyed every minute of it, but, um, I'm able to jump off, you know, before I maybe do one or two more laps and just kind of take stock and, um, you know, look my kids and my wife in the eye and kind of rediscover my backyard. You know, we travel nine or 10 months of the year and I've done some really cool stuff at home that I 
just haven't had the time to do over the last 10 years. So that's been really fun. I got to I got to call you out though. I mean, you just you kind of called yourself out and said you're not really, you know, you you finally get to be a dad and I've seen you on tour where you are competing at Pipeline and you are still hanging with Ruby or Indigo. Like we've had coffee at Sunrise Shack and you've got the family there or you bring your family sure. to certain trips. And so like I feel like you, you know, you have, you know, um balanced that as much as you could. It probably never feels like it's enough, but I've at least seen it and I it's one thing I've always respected about you is um, you know, being able to make sure that your, your family is present and a part of what you're doing or that you're all together. And the other part of it is that you're saying, oh, you know, you're always looking at next boards and whatever, but you also have made time for a lot of stuff outside the Jersey. And, um, you know, uh, this, this conversation has been a long time coming, uh, here on this podcast because, you know, you're one of our WSLPR ambassadors and Ace, you're, you're one of the first people on tour that I spoke with when I picked up this role and I, everyone went, you got to talk to Ace. He's the guy. And we met, um, I was in Hawaii. It was like, like my first week on the job. And I was like, Hey man, like, what's up? Uh, what do I do? <laughs> and, uh, we I had a really good that. chat, but you know, you, you've made time to do stuff outside of the Jersey. I mean, right away we did a project together with take three for the sea for which you're an ambassador, but, um, you, you've done stuff, you know, uh, with a number of different groups spoke out, spoke out about a number of different issues. And this is something that's core to who you are you know, going back to even before you were on tour, you know, I, I mean, you also, you wrote a, a book <laughs> when you were, how old was 12 or 15 or something? Like that? Yeah. The first draft was, uh, 12. I was, I was in my last year of primary school and, um, it was a creative writing assignment at the time we were studying, um, Aboriginal studies, which I was kind of really encapsulated by at a young age. And, you know, I think, it's something that we don't celebrate enough here in Australia, um, that that kind of history and I don't know, it's kind of like a magic realism, um, the way they view the world around them. Um, and then I guess also learning about the environment. So um, I combined those two things with my love of surfing and, you know, wrote this creative writing piece, which is generally what you do at that age, you know, like, write about the things that you love or you know well. Yeah. So um, that was my first pass at it. And then it was one of those things that I kind of, I wouldn't say regurgitated over the years for, for projects, but I would, I would kind of tweak the story. And, um, you know, my dad uh, is an English teacher and um, he's retired now, but he always would encourage me to write. You know, I wrote some articles for a bunch of surf magazines um, I was a junior editor of Waves magazine here whilst I was still at school. Um, and then we found someone to do some really nice illustrations and the book came to life. And, um, you know, it's not something that I've kind of actively kind of gone out and tried to sell hundreds of thousands of copies, but it's something that I've got and that, um, yeah, I'm really proud of and I think kind of tells a little bit of my story Um you know, and I guess gives it that authenticity that, you know, from a young age, it's been something that I am passionate about. Yeah. I mean, I could see it, you know, you, you've got kids now. And so of course that creates a moment of reflection of, oh, okay, you know, you're looking ahead to what the world is going to be for them. And that's super important. But, um, you know, you've got this long history of, of speaking out about things, but I do, I do also feel like in just a few short years that I've known you, 
you've been increasingly speaking out about these issues. Um, they've become more a part of your your day to day, and and maybe that's just because you know um, I'm looking for it, you know, because that's what I'm paying attention to when I look at the surfers who are on tour and I'm sure. who's, who's speaking out about what issues. So I'm really trying to keep an eye out for it, or maybe it's because the world writ large is speaking out about these environmental issues more and more every day as more social platforms come online. But um, I just think it's something that's unique to you um that i've always really appreciated and you know you you said like you're you're a very gentlemanly person you know um i I think everyone respects you as a gentleman on tour and uh very respectful and and, um you know you're never going to come out like just kind of like guns blazing taking on an issue um so when you do speak out about something i feel like people respect that because they know that you're not just hot-headed and you know like oh we gotta go clean up this thing it's 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 coming from a place of knowledge i mean does that seem fair or uh, that, that's the read i get anyway um yeah i mean <laughs> look i think the tours it's it's funny because obviously you know you you get on tour and you're so focused on you know defending your spot on tour and kind of marking your turf and um, establishing yourself and that takes kind of every bit of your being for the better part of you know five years or so um, and then I think if you're able to find that place of kind of comfort you can lift your head up and start to kind of really immerse yourself in the things around you as you travel the world and I know for me being more connected to the people and the places that I visit each year has made my existence on tour much richer um potentially sometimes at my own detriment because i'm so excited to be in the south of france or you know be in south africa um that you know maybe i could be more kind of zoned in on on competing but they're the you know memories and friendships that i'm going to take beyond the tour you know um yeah and i guess in terms of being a gentleman you know that's 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 cool um, but obviously when, when you are competing, you've got to switch into that kind of that killer instinct, you know, and tap into that inside of you. And, um, you know, you don't want people to walk all over you, but, um, yeah, look, I think, I guess I take that social conscience from probably mainly my dad, you know, he, there's history there, was, right. In terms of your yeah, parents, you know, and- the, both my parents grew up in, in Africa. My dad was born in Zambia. He went to school in Zimbabwe. He then went to college at UCT uh, in Cape Town. And, um, you know, he's, he's written a book. He's kind of writing some short stories at the moment that he's been feeding to me, you know, as he writes them. And um, the current one that I'm reading, you know, he was basically teaching around the time of the Soweto riots Um, This is the height of apartheid, you know, so you've got students kind of marching out of schools and protesting against essentially being taught propaganda, you know, from a state that was trying to, I guess, rewrite history in the way that, you know, they saw it to justify their means. And, you know, I think um, for my dad, um, that was a difficult position to be put in, A, and then you know, I think it got to a point where, you know, you're witnessing people as young as, you know, 12, 13, 14 being killed for their beliefs, you know, like that's a wild thing to 
to kind of feel like you're somewhat a part of. And, um, you know, eventually I think that drove my parents to leave South Africa and they're only a little bit younger than me. And, um, you know, for me to kind of think about, you know, leaving Australia because I disagreed so strongly with what was going on and kind of, you know, leaving friends and family and everything behind, like that's a huge decision, but, you know, it's given me, the the life that I've got and afforded me the opportunities that I've had um and not to say you know that Africa doesn't mean as much like when I go back there in a strange way it also almost feels like more of a home than Australia um and for my folks I know that they would feel that twofold so um yeah I think you know that kind of gave me a little bit of kind of perspective and appreciation of, of the life that I've lived in a different way to maybe some of my peers. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, and this isn't to discredit or diminish any of the stories of the other surfers on tour, but I do feel like um, having that greater sense of purpose is really important um, for anybody. And, and everyone has their different motivation, um, but I can I can see that. And I, I mean, I've heard a little bit of this story from you before and about your parents and how they've, you know, encouraged you to, you know, pursue academics and also to maybe have a bit more purpose. And, and maybe that's what kind of, um, you know, drove you to one, publish a book at a young age, but two, to kind of have that purpose in, in your work, right? Um, it'd be easy to just focus on surfing, but you've used it to do more and to speak out about more. And it's interesting that there's a whole immigration story around that because immigration is, um, going to become an increasingly challenging issue around the world as a result of the climate crisis, right? I mean, we're going to see mass waves of people moving from different places to try to find a better life and find a life that's livable. There's some recent articles in the New York Times about the heat waves that are uh, occurring right now and uh, what that means for people. So it's it's really... Um, yeah, it's a challenging, challenging time. And, and for us to find our purpose and, um, you know, try to work towards solutions is super important right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, at the end of the day, pretty much all of us are immigrants, right? We've all come from somewhere, but it's ironic that, you know, a percentage of us feel super entitled to, you know, wherever we've kind of landed on our feet. Yeah. But I think if you just have that perspective that, hey, like, you know, we're all equal, we're all different and everyone has a story, you know, um, I think it's, you can be really quick to judge, but I think that's one thing traveling has kind of taught me is that, you know, try and try and learn a little bit about the people that you're interacting with, learn a little bit about their story before you kind of try and judge them on their values or their beliefs or, you know, whether or not they're having a hard day. Um, yeah, you just you never know someone's story until you really go and ask them and find out about it. I'm now picturing like a, a Netflix series for you. Whenever you finish, <laughs> whenever you finish touring, like a Netflix series where you you go and travel to these places and dive deeper. I think you could be a great host yeah. for that. Better <laughs> no, than Zac Efron on his current show. <laughs> I can't say I've seen that, but um, I mean t- to that point, that's something that I wanted. I wanted dig deeper into you know i think this year just having that time um i've been able to visit um at least domestically because obviously we can't travel travel abroad um just before covid got really bad i was able to go down to tasmania um which is for those of you that don't know it's the 
essentially an island that sits off the southeastern corner of the mainland of Australia. Um, and it's been kind of a microcosm for environmental activism, you know, ever since the Franklin Below Gordon, you know, river protests, which were, you know, 40 odd years ago now. Um, and I was able to go down there and kind of learn a lot about what's going on there, not just historically, but currently and kind of contrast, um, places of immense beauty and treasure that are protected against places that aren't, that are just as important. Um, and Peter Wish Wilson, the green Senator from Tasmania, who I hadn't met, but we'd been chatting online for quite a few years, you know, right. um, about, you know, a bunch of different issues. He, he met me and my friend, um, Woody who came to document and he showed us around and it was just the most eye opening week to kind of spend, I mean, I took surfboards, but we only surfed once at the end of the trip. It wasn't a surf trip. Um, and, yeah, it just taught me a lot about um, the current state of affairs and how interconnected everything is. Um, and, yeah, I want to do more of that. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought that up, that, that we, we had that on the podcast, episode 16. You were a host of an episode. Um, our roles have reversed. That's but right. we, we gave you the mic and you got to you how know, did interview. I do? You did fantastic, Ace. I don't know if you know, but I've been, I stole one of your questions and I've been using it okay. uh, almost every episode since then. Um, I did. That's great. <laughs> Happy for you to do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just kind of I'm sharing in the screen now for people watching. Um, you know, this is a shot of you down in the Tarkine. I'm glad you brought it up. Maybe do you want to quickly touch on what is going on presently there and and why it is an issue and 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 why that matters? I mean, you as a surfer um, to go take time out of your schedule away from the water and to touch on a forestry issue is kind of interesting in and of itself. Why is this place so special and? what is so unique about it and what is the threat? Yeah. So the Tarkine is a tract of cool temperate rainforest that has links back to Gondwana land, you know, when the earth was, you know, a, a bigger landmass or all interconnected. Um, so it's, it's millions of years old. It's um, one of the biggest carbon sinks we have in the Southern hemisphere um, it's home to a bunch of super endangered, endangered species, uh, the giant wedgetail eagle. There's huge freshwater crayfish or lobsters, um, uh, an amazing array of like micro kind of fauna and flora. And, um, you know, not to mention these huge trees that are, you know, hundreds yeah. of years old, um, and for me, the reason the Tarkine struck a chord was because last summer, as you know, anyone who is aware of current events would be aware of, you know, Australia endured the worst bushfires probably ever in the modern age. And, you know, we lost hundreds of thousands of hectares of um, forests, of wildlife, people lost homes, people lost their lives. And then kind of against that backdrop, here's this area of important, you know, environmental significance that they are not just like logging, but just kind of clear felling it, like just yeah. firebombing it. And then it's replaced with, you know, monoculture. So you lose the biodiversity. 
um, forever. And I just thought this is just madness, you know, and I'd always wanted to go to Tasmania because of that kind of, you know, historical significance environmentally that we spoke about. And I'd wanted to go and spend time with Peter Wish Wilson because he's this guy who loves surfing, who's on the front lines, you know, politically standing up for all these things that are important to me as well. So it just kind of felt like this strange intersection of a bunch of different things. And I was just like, fuck it, I'm going. Like I booked a ticket, which is hard for me to do. You know, it's holiday time and, um, you know, I got three kids. But I also, I guess as a surfer, you know, you or, or an athlete, you can align yourselves with all of these causes. But a lot of the times that's done remotely, you know, you're using your platform to kind of be an activist. You're not on the front lines. And I just kind of really want to, be able to do things that are tangible and have an impact. And I thought, you know, if I can go down there and kind of um, document the experience and share that, um, maybe it'll have a bigger impact. And, you know, I think watching other people who are in my position do that, like someone like David Pocock, who, you know, is a great Australian rugby player who has been kind of tremendously active in that space. He's a big inspiration to me. Um, you know, there's plenty of other people who are doing that. Um, and I just think, yeah, just being able to align yourselves to things that are that are real and going there and kind of getting your hands dirty means a lot more. I, uh, I distinctly remember there was a conversation we had, I guess, in Bali where you were like, just the sense of urgency that you I felt from you that you wanted to go do more. Like you literally wanted to get out there and get your hands dirty. And like I, I want to create those opportunities through WSL Pure as much as I can, but there's only so much I can do. And, you know, we're still kind of building a lot of um, what our program is. And um, there's a sensitivity to like sending our athletes out into some potentially dangerous or politically whatever sensitive situation. So I remember yeah, you though, just being like, Oh, like, you know, we, we, I, we just, I got to do something like you, you had this urgency. And I, I remember feeling that being like, Oh, whoa, okay. Like aces lit up. And then when you brought up this project, you're like, I'm going, I'm doing it. This is like, I'm just happening. And I was like, yes, go ace, do it. I got your <laughs> back. Like, please. Um, so I'm so happy that you did it. I'm really looking forward to seeing the footage. I mean, I've seen some of the raw footage that you've sent back. Beautiful, beautiful footage. Um, personal conversations with some of the activists who are literally chaining themselves up in, into trees and, and hiding out in the trees to prevent the logging. So I'm really stoked to see uh, what you and Woody put together uh, before too long. Um, and I'm guessing we'll see that maybe in the next couple of months, hopefully. Yeah, no, that's Fingers definitely the plan. It's <laughs> been, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess I'm used to putting together kind of surfing edits where, you know, you can splice your best clips with some, you know, beautiful scenery and find a good track and like, yeah, you're done. Like this is like altogether something different. Like we're trying to document, you know, something that's extremely um, divisive, um, political and, you know, that I wouldn't say it's not my comfort zone, but it's not what I'm used to. So, right. you know, I also want to be sensitive to doing it properly um, and spending the time on it and yeah at the same time trying to tell um pete wish wilson's story of how he you know became i guess one of the most respected environmentalists kind of of our modern time here in australia you know he um 
he basically took over from Bob Brown um, in his seat in the Australian in the Australian government. So and Bob Brown for the for the non-Australian listeners, Bob Brown is a former uh, politician who was a well-known Green Party right, and now has yeah, Bob Brown I would Foundation. Say Bob's the godfather of Australian environmentalism. Yeah, um, you know he was hugely active in not just Tasmania, but, you know, Australia in general throughout the 70s, 80s and 90s. And he now has a foundation that aligns itself with um, issues like the Tarkine. So, yeah, um, yeah, like complex stuff, but like super interesting and good fun. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I, I Again, I'm like... The more you do, the more stoked I am to to get behind it. And um, I wonder, does it cause challenges for brands for you? I mean, like as a surfer, you know, we kind of mentioned the political divisiveness. And I think at one point um, you even said, like, there's no time to sit on the fence anymore. You know, you kind of um, came out and I think it was in the podcast episode 16. You were like, you know, as athletes, sure, we try to, you know, you want to be appealing to a lot of people. But at the end of the day, you want to look back in your career and be proud of what you did and know that you stood for what you believed in. And, um, you know, you kind of are taking that next step and, but that's, that can be a challenge with sponsors who maybe don't want you to go that route, but it does feel at the same time, like a lot of the brands are starting to be more outspoken and they're starting to go, okay, well, you know what? Like, yeah, let's get behind this. Cause that's what our customers expect of us. So I wonder how you've navigated that. And I, I know specifically we want to get to Hydroflask, who's one of your sponsors and they're sponsoring this episode, but I don't know, has it been a challenge to navigate that for you? Yeah, I think, you know, as you mentioned, I think things are changing. I think personally, you know, um, the longer my career has gone on, you know, I want to be able to not just, be remembered for kind of competitive achievements, but also having a positive influence on, you know, people who, I guess, whether they look up to me or they just follow me, um, you know, and I think, as you mentioned, aligning yourself with, you know, things that can be divisive like environmental issues. Yeah, you are going to alienate, you know, potentially some of your following, but I think what it does do is it actually strengthens the bond with, the people who believe in that as well, you know, and whether that's a sponsor or a fan, the conversations that I now have with, you know, those two groups of people are kind of much more, you know, richer because of, you know, taking a stand that I really believe in. I think if you sit on the fence, yeah, I I just feel like in the current environment and climate that we're living in, that time's gone, you know, like, I want to stand for something. I want to fight for the things that I believe in. And, you know, I've also got kids who I think when you become a parent, you feel that in a much more tangible way. You're like, what, what am I leaving behind for my kids? You know, what's, what's the world going to look like for them? Are they going to be able to experience things the same way that I've been able to experience? Because, you know, even though, you know, I think we will look back and kind of say, wow, that was, a a relatively turbulent time i feel like i've lived a very blessed existence for sure man um and that's well said i'm gonna one of one of the brands like we're gonna hit on is hydro um and you know you mentioned a lot about the different brands that could be seen as divisive or not or taking a divisive stance but like one issue 
thankfully, is not that political as plastic pollution uh, because it's like so clearly obvious that it's bad. It's like not only is it just silly to think that this is littering our ocean and it's ending up on our beaches, it's now like potentially being ingested by us and uh, the times when we're in the ocean or ingesting it through our food and all that. So it's like, okay, we know we have to stop this one. And Hydra makes it easy to do. Their refill for good campaign is rad. They're doing a great job of one, their product inherently uh, is super functional and enables you to skip plastic bottles but it also in this campaign they're advocating to go beyond that and try to you know skip the clamshell containers skip uh you know single-use straws and they've engaged some legit um you know people who are working in the environmental space on plastic to be some of their ambassadors beyond their usual sort of competitive athletes like yourself so yep. uh, you actually just had a conversation with dr sarah jean Ro- royer right uh about some I did. of this i did yeah yeah and you know i think um for me, it's it's really interesting to really kind of dig into some of those issues with someone who's who's doing that for a living. And obviously, you know, the synergy there for me to align myself with a brand like Hydroflask is it's an honor to be able to do that. You know, like um, I was using their products well before, you know, I became uh, an athlete of theirs. And um, I mean, actually, funny story, I think I was competing up at the surf ranch um and i went to starbucks horrible coffee by the way but it was the only (laughs) place i could get coffee at the time i remember Um, this i remember this post and i took my hydro flask i had a hydro flask and i was like hi i'll get a you know double latte please you know two-thirds full um that's what i order (laughs) and you know handed them my hydro flask and she's the lady said, oh, I'm sorry, so, you know, I can't um, put put your, you know, coffee in the Hydra flask. Um, I think it was kind of health and, and kind of safety regulations. And I was like, okay, sure. Like, so, you know, you get it in a um, single-use cup and then you pour it straight out of the single-use cup into your own cup and the single-use goes in the bin. And I just thought man, like this is happening millions and millions and millions of times like every morning, yeah. not just in America but all over the world. And, um, you know, I just kind of posted something like tongue-in-cheek. I think it was like a letter to like Mr. Starbucks. You know? <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean, some. I guess that's just a lighter take on a quite serious issue. But, um, you know, I guess in in light of that, you know, I, I kind of got talking to the guys at Hydroflask and um, it seemed like quite a natural fit. And, you know, I know they've supported that that event, the Surf Ranch itself. And I think, you know, in terms of the change that I've seen there, um, in terms of the amount of single-use plastic, it's been huge. You know, I know you and I have spoken about when, when you first came on tour, some of the practices that, um, you know, weren't best in class that WSL um were employing at their events to to where we are now where the tour is carbon neutral we're aiming to leave places in a better state than we found them and we're also partnering with really great environmental groups at each location to help them do the work that needs to be done in the local community so you know it's come leaps and bounds and that's thanks to to groups like hydroflask and people like yourself for really kind of activating on the ground Oh, thanks, man. I mean, I 
I sit in a lucky position that I get to connect with a lot of different groups and the nonprofits that are doing the work. I, I like most of my role is connecting um, and getting to work with those different groups, whether it's Take Three for the Sea in Australia or Climate Council down there, or it's back here in the U.S. and Surfrider or Save the Waves, et cetera. Um, you know, there are so many great people who are doing great work. Um, and we're very lucky that we get to work with a lot of those groups. And, and I think it's awesome how you have um, not been shy about, you know, working with those groups. You've been an ambassador for Take Three for the Sea. Um, you've also, uh, you know, like I said, you were active in the Fight for the Bike campaign. You have been outspoken about the youth climate strikes. And then you recently have been outspoken about the PEP 11 issue, which um, is a is a drilling and uh, it's an oil issue, as I understand it. I'm not as familiar with this one yet as I need to be, but I know that it is a proposed um, drilling off the coast of Australia. Is that correct? Yeah. So PEP 11 basically stands for Petroleum Exploration Permit Number 11, and that particular permit is sounds really harmless. It's just yeah. it's, we're just going to go explore. that particular permit is a 4,500 square kilometer stretch of ocean that stretches from the Sydney's the the northern beaches of Sydney through the central coast where I live all the way to Newcastle that just also happens to be Australia's most populous bit of coastline it's also smack bang in the middle of the um, whale migration path which we've just um, watched you know I hear from my kitchen you know with the kids we'd be like in awe, just watching whales jump out every morning. Um, so cool. You know, um, and that, that particular migration has um, over the past, you know, 20 to 30 years come back so strong because of protection, you know, around whales. Um, and PEP 11 in some places is as close to five kilometers to the shore. So, um, That's you know, really all things- close going well for them, our coastline could, you know, see gas rigs and oil rigs off the coast. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's obviously some bigger philosophical questions around, you know, extracting natural resources from the earth um, of using fossil fuels in a time of climate crisis. Um, and, yeah, I guess, um, you know, you can probably guess where my head is at in terms of those types of things. But yeah, look, I'm also someone who uses energy. I'm someone who drives a car. I'm someone who has a phone. Like I'm not living out in the sticks with my head in the sand. And I'm also not saying I'm perfect, but I think I want to advocate for better choices and, um, you know, smart decisions at a time when, yeah, I think we need to be really, kind of careful and deliberate about things that we support and things that are going to send us in the right direction. Um, I mean, you will know as well as me, you know, in America and Australia, you know, we're currently kind of under two governments that are stripping away a lot of environmental protection. Um, so that's tough, but yeah. I think, you know, you've got to be able to, find a way to work within the status quo as best you can. Um, And, you know, last week after a little bit of hustling, I managed to sit down with my local member, so the federal member for Robertson, which is my local electorate, um, and have a really frank discussion about PEP 11. Um, And, yeah, like, I mean, 
that was, I guess, you know, my way of kind of being an activist in my, in my local area on an issue that's super important to me. Um, you know, I think if there is any risk at all to our coast, is it worth it? Probably not. Um, is it the time to be opening new fossil fuel projects along a coastline that, you know, is super important for marine animals, tourism, you know, for millions of Australians? Um, you know, there's a lot of issues there. It's obviously very complex, but the cool thing that I've seen on this particular issue is that there is bipartisan opposition to it actually happening. It's not one of those ones that is kind of um, drawn in party lines. So there has been people come out on both sides of politics and say, hey, I actually don't want this to happen. This isn't the right thing for our coastline. Um, you know, and I guess I was trying to gently encourage my local member to do the same. Um, but these things are divisive and like they cost votes. So, um, you know, there's been quite a bit of action in Australia, as you all know, with the fight for the bike campaign, um, which in the end, I think the wave of public sentiment against it caused the company Equinor to pull out. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, watch this space. I think there's going to be a lot more kind of water under the bridge before there's a resolution on PEP 11, but it's been really cool to see the coastal community, not just surfers come together and kind of stand up against something that they don't believe is the right decision for our coastline. Well, Ace, I mean, that's a, I commend you for going and doing that. I mean, for you to say that's my little way of activism, I mean, that is activism. That is it. I mean, the system exists. And we can go and chain ourselves to trees and um, stand in front of pipelines. And that plays a really important role in raising awareness and trying to stop these things. But creating political will is massively important. Um, when it comes to the climate crisis, we know what the solutions are. It's creating the political willpower to mm. pave the way to then go do those things. Um, yeah. So I really like, I mean, the more you can do that, the better and in doing that, you probably built a relationship. And now the next time you come back with the next issue and the next issue, I mean, that's really, really powerful. And I'm really lucky, like I said, in, in, in this role that I get to work with a lot of different people. And I would, I'd mention my time spent with Lisa Spear of the NRDC and, uh, engaging me in the UN treaties for the high seas, high seas negotiations, talking about the 30 by 30, um, target, which is to protect 30% of the ocean by 2030. I mean, I, I look at all that and sometimes people say, ah, politicians are all just talking and whatever and blah, blah, blah. But it's so critical that you get the political willpower aligned to pave the way for all this stuff to take off. Um, otherwise, you know, I mean, yes, entrepreneurs play a role in terms of the business side and the private sector. And yes, the power of the people are massively important. All these things, we need all these things, the individual solutions and the systemic solutions at once as we all have to be pushing as much as we can. Um, so for that, I'm like, Ace, yes, that's amazing. Like, keep doing that. Uh, I mean, if that's what's come of your time during COVID, I'm all for it. Um, you know, uh, yeah, so I'm I mean, stoked on that. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm, I think the thing that has kind of bummed me out the most kind of, you know, over the last probably two to three years, um, which I can happily say I think is changing, is just that political kind of, sense of apathy from 
people, you know, my age and younger, that just kind of seems like, you know, I guess I came from parents and my wife Beck came from parents who, you know, they took to the streets. Like they went and marched against the Vietnam War. They went and marched against, you know, huge hydro electric dams. They want their, wanted their voices to be heard. And like you look at everyone these days and it's just like, you know, head down, like, um, and I feel like the tide's slowly turning on issues, you know, like the ones we've spoken about and people are realizing that, Hey, like I actually do have a voice and it is powerful. And if I band together with my friends and my peers, we can actually achieve things. And, um, you know, I think the fight for the bite was a great example of that. Um, there's lots of great stuff happening all around the world. And there's actually a lot of great organizations like the ones you've mentioned that you can align yourself with and have a big impact. Yeah. That's really well said. I mean, the fight for the bite when that was, when that got, uh, when Equinor pulled out, I mean, I got chills and I got chills thinking of it. Now I like jumped out of my chair in the office and everyone on the whole floor, cause it's an open floor plan. I was like, what? I was like, they did it. Like the other, Australia, they did it. I, I like freaked out. I called Damien Cole immediately and I was like, Damo. And he was like in tears and we, were, we had such a moment. Um, yeah. and it's just so powerful. And I, I love the momentum that that's created. And Ace, I mean, that's an incredible segue um, to what I want to get to next, which is a little bit of a surprise. So um, I've sent you a video. I want us to um, check this out uh, at the same time. So if you've got the video up, um, you got it ready there? Yep. The WSL Pure Award for Outstanding Ocean Advocacy is given each year to the athlete who does the most for our environment and for our oceans. Ace Bucken has been proactive with WSL Pure and on his own channels activating for our Stop Trash and Waves campaign last year, helping out with the fight for the bite, calling for climate advocacy and supporting the youth climate strikes in Australia, and more. We're also really proud that ACE has been a part of our 30 by 30 campaign, calling for protection of 30% of our oceans by 2030. ACE has been the leader for the ocean both in and out of the water. Congratulations to our WSL Pure Award winner for 2019, ACE Bucket. <laughs> Thanks, mate. That's super cool. Um, Ace, it's, it's my great pleasure to present to you the WSL Pure Award. Oh, wow. Um, so, so what for content. Awesome. So, this thing's heavy. Yeah, it looks uh, like that's an amazing trophy. Um, so, on, this was meant to be given to you at the WSL Awards, which kicked off the season. And unfortunately, um, the award show is canceled as a result of COVID-19. And we've been trying to figure out when we could um, have this moment. We were going to ship it to you first. Uh, we weren't <laughs> sure. Um, but we thought, you know, we could do it this way. And then we're going to send it to you. Um, and it is pretty heavy. Um, so the WSL Pure Award is awarded to the individual surfer on the competitive tour who demonstrates the greatest impact um, and outstanding efforts to inspire, educate, and empower our global surf community. And Ace, um, you know, there's a long list of nominees, and there are a bunch of athletes who have been a part of a number of our campaigns and have spoken out about things, but you stood out head and shoulders above the rest. And, um, you know, 
there was a, a, a committee internally and we all kind of debated, but you, you were the one who, who took the award. Um, so we're really, really honored to, to give this to you. Like I, I feel this is a really cool way to come full circle from when I first started here um, and, and got that input and advice from you to, to now. And so, um, yeah, this is, this is the award That's for fine. you, Ace. Fully, <laughs> uh, I can't custom. wait to get my hands on that. It's beautiful. So the, the award itself, it was designed by our team, um, but then kind of like overall, but then it was made by the guys uh, at Rico Surfboards down in San Diego. So this is actually wow. all old resin. Okay, um, I was going to say that. That's what it looks like. Yeah, so they do fully sustainable boards where they um, kind of reuse all the resin drippings. And so this is leftover wood and leftover resin all put together in this kind of waveform super heavy it's a it's a real beauty um i've got some photos i'll share into the the picture here now um, but the the award itself is um is also we give cash and that cash is meant to be used with um with one of our nonprofit partners um to to activate with so it's essentially your choice uh, as an athlete to choose a group um, that means something to you and that you think does valuable work and um, you've already you've made your choice. We chatted about this a while ago, so this is a little bit yeah. of a surprise, but not a total surprise. Um, so the, the group you chose, Ace, is the Climate Council. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm glad, I'm glad we're still on the on the same page. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can see the award here in the photos. It's it's a real beauty. We took a couple wow. shots, some glamour shots down by the beach. Um, it's got your name on it. So uh, yeah, we're pretty awesome. stoked on it. Um, but no, climate mate, council going to take pride of place, you know, right <laughs> up there with my, um, spear that I want at Chopu. So yeah, nice, man. like I said, you know, I think for me, obviously the tour is about, you know, competitive excellence, but I think, you know, there's so much more than that there that's on offer and yeah, to, to kind of be recognized for, I guess, you know, spending time on things other than um you know beating people in the jersey feels really cool and um yeah i think a big part of that you know as we spoke about is kind of trying to you know create a legacy for not just my children but for the next wave of surfers that come onto the tour and to show them that you know you can use your platform to kind of influence and inspire um positively I love it, Ace. Really well said, man. Um, I, I, I feel badly for not telling you to prepare an acceptance speech, but at the same time, I <laughs> kind of wanted to surprise you. Uh, and you're also an articulate guy anyway, so I, I wasn't worried. But No, I mean, look, I kind of, I think we we're only probably a week out from, um, from you know, having the awards night. And um, yeah, I guess I was kind of thinking about what I would say. And, you know, on some level, I feel as though, you know, receiving an award like that, there's just so much more that I wanted, I want to do. And I feel like that I can do. And, um, I think that kind of gives me that inspiration to kind of keep going and, um, keep, you know, doing the things that I've just started to have the time to do. And, um, you know, I think post career, that's, that's how I want to kind of spend my time is, you know, trying to use this platform that I've been lucky enough to get from being a pro surfer to to inspire some positive change on an environmental front 
well, I think that you're already doing it. Um, but I'm excited to see you do more of it. And I'm excited to see you do that with climate council. Um, climate council is Australia's leading climate change communications organization, uh, stellar nonprofit that's been around for a couple of years. Um, we got to know them when the fires hit, uh, earlier this year. Um, and we, uh, felt like they do really great work. So we want to bring them into our fold. And I think it's, it's pretty relevant because, you know, the bushfire seasons, you know, right around the corner for, for you guys. So, yeah. um, you know, they've been do, doing some really interesting work with the way that they communicate on the issue. Um, and I'm excited to see what you, uh, what you put together with them. No, thank you. I think, you know, as you mentioned, it's, it's pretty pertinent. Um, you know, I went to, an evening in in the city kind of just after the bushfires which was um hosted by uh, actually groundswell giving but they're also directly um you know in work with the climate council and just kind of listening to a bunch of people who were really educated on that issue itself was really eye-opening um and yeah i mean man living through that summer there was literally days where you couldn't go outside and I wasn't even in a zone that was like badly affected by the fires. But yeah, it was pretty confronting to kind of live through those months where, you know, every hour things would change and it just kind of felt like this kind of endless, um, you know, two months of bad news and, You know, there was like just so much kind of heartache and pain, you know, not just obviously for humans, but for the world around us, you know, um, we lost like so, so much wildlife and so much kind of natural habitat. And that's going to take a long, long time to come back. But, you know, thankfully the Australian bush is pretty resilient. Um, And I think if we've learned anything through COVID, it's that, you know, just give it a chance, like give give nature a chance and you'll see it um, bounce back. And I think that's been something that's been super inspiring to kind of see these pictures floating in from around the world of kind of nature reclaiming places. Um, so that gives me a lot of hope. Yeah. Nature is super resilient and the ocean particularly super, super resilient habitat, you know? And I, I mean, that's, we've talked about this before and, um, people who listen to the podcast regularly know that I talk about 30 by 30 and, you know, if you protect a certain portion of the ocean that it'll enable the ocean to bounce back and, um, you know, forest fires are natural. They do happen naturally yeah. and that creates, you know, room for new growth and new biodiversity to flourish. Um, but it, it would be, we'd be remiss to not mention that, you know, those fires were made worse as a result of the climate crisis and how, um, imperative it is that we take bold action. Um, and that's, that's every nation around the world to, to do that, whether it's the U S Australia or any of the other places. So I'm stoked to see, um, what you do with climate council. I, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, cause I know that at some point kids are going to come home from school or, or whatever, um, or you got to get <laughs> a surf right. before they do. Um, but I wow. want to get through a couple more questions. Um, one, I would say, what advice do you have for other surfers um, or other athletes who are sitting in the same position as you or maybe are sitting in, in, in this position a couple years ago and are looking at the issues out there and going, do I say something? Do I not? Do I, do I, do I put my name on this thing or do I not? And how active do I want to be? And what does this mean for my career? Yeah, I mean, I would say... A, probably educate yourself 
um, you know, having that internal dialogue before you have the conversation publicly has helped me a lot. Um, and I would say do what feels right, you know, and oftentimes I think what feels right is um, doing the things that are close to you, you know, um, whether that's um, activism in your own backyard on issues, you know, like PEP 11 for me, which is happening, you know, directly in front of me um, or whether that's, you know, on a national scale in terms of things that um, are particularly relevant to, to you and, and your family. Um, but I would just say kind of trust your gut. Like if it doesn't feel right, usually it isn't right. Um, but yeah, I think what is inspiring is that athletes, you know, are starting to realize that they have this influence beyond their sport. Um, I mean, I was just watching an interview with LeBron from a few days ago, you know, where, um, I mean, I guess the reporters were trying to bait him, you know, into um, <laughs> I think you know, I know talking the about talking his about. relationship <laughs> with, with Donald Trump. Um, and, you know, he kind of took the high ground. But, um, yeah, I think it's inspiring to see people who have huge platforms, you know, like LeBron does, take a stand and go, you know what, like this is, this is what I think and um, – yeah, like he's definitely going to alienate some of his following, but the people that, um, you know, look at him and go, wow, like he's kind of stood up and like taken a stand are going to probably follow him even more fervently because of that, you know? So, yeah, um, yeah I think there's plenty of great examples out there of athletes doing great stuff. Yeah. I mean, Megan Rapino is a great soccer player, football, um, you know, don't get me wrong, but like I love her activism. I mean, it is just, you know, hands down amazing. And so it, it's made me a fan when maybe I wouldn't have been as big a fan uh, prior to that. I was like, cool, great, we're winning. Um, but now I'm like, oh, you're kicking ass and helping change the world. Like, do more of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm behind it. Um, so, Ace, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to end with your question, uh, <laughs> which has been the final question that I've used several times, which is if you could take anyone in the world surfing, uh, where in the world would you go? What would you talk about? And who are you going to take? Wow. Okay. It's a good question, isn't it? It's a great question, Ace. You can have a whole podcast around that one question. Um, okay. I, I said I should just give up the podcast and be like, I'll just let Ace post it from now on. You're Actually, you're doing season two. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to do a few more. There's plenty of great people. I think we could, we could get on here. Love it. Um, so... I think for me, um, I guess with my family history, the person that I'd love to sit down with would be Nelson Mandela. Um, you know, he had such a, a big impact on my parents' life. And, um, yeah, I think having the opportunity to talk to someone who was really impactful beyond their own country and really kind of, um, you know, permeated you know, I guess the hearts and minds of people all over the world and promoted tolerance and respect and um, inclusiveness really, you know, in a position where he had had no, you know, right to be that forgiving and that empathetic 
Um, yeah, I just feel like especially what we're living through right now would be would be pretty interesting to kind of to kind of hear his take on things. Um, you know, I think it it's it's uh, it can be a pretty divisive world right now when you kind of you know read about what's going on between you know COVID and the climate crisis. So um, yeah, I'd love to take Nelson Mandela to J Bay and kind of watch the sunrise and. Um, I don't know that I'd get him in the water, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think that would be that would be pretty special. That's a really really solid answer. Um, really really solid. That's a good one. <laughs> um, Ace, anything else that you want to talk about? I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, look, I think yeah, I just it's been awesome to kind of work with you and, and see the journey um, that the WSL has gone on, you know, in terms of where, you know, surfing and environmentalism and um, curiosity around protecting the things that have given us so much. And you've been a part of that that for a while. I mean, you were the surfers rep and I imagine you were on the board and I imagine had a real voice in, in, pushing things in that direction, at least before I got here, like I got to come in and execute a mission that existed before I was here. So, um, I don't know. I feel like you sure. deserve credit for some of that work of, of going down that path. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, as a surfer, I think, you know, we have a great deal of responsibility to be, you know, custodians of the ocean and of something that, you know, has given us so much like, you know, I don't know how many hours I've spent in the water, but I literally run to the waves, you know, like they, yeah. Yeah. You know, like they make me feel so good. And, you know, I don't know how many people run to the tennis court or the golf course or the bus. I mean, they do, but like surfing just has this thing about it, you know, and it just makes us so happy. And, um, yeah, I think to kind of see now that um, WSL is making a real stand on things that they wouldn't necessarily have to do, um, you know, whether that's Black Lives Matter or um, 30 by 30 or, you know, directly partnering with people who are doing great work in all the places that we go to. Yeah, I think that makes me really proud that, you know, um, we stand for a lot more than competitive surfing. And, um, you know, I think for me kind of thinking about my time on tour, I think um, that's one of the things that I'm kind of proudest of is just not that achievement on a personal level, but just to, to have been part of that journey and seeing the tour stand for a lot more than surfing. Well, I, I thank you for that work that you've done to help push it in that direction. Um, cause it is super valuable work and, um, it's why I get up every day and, um, yeah, man, I, I just appreciate you. Um, I think a lot of people around the world appreciate you appreciate what you stand for and, um, you know, the pros in the league, the fans and, um, you know, people listening. Um, so thanks Ace. I appreciate you taking some time and, uh, for setting us on this path. It's, um, nice. it's a real, real honor. <laughs> thank you mate um yeah i know you kind of put your heart and soul into it and 
it isn't always easy, you know, you, <laughs> you, you don't take no for an answer. And, um, yeah, you know, I think the world needs, needs more Reese Pacheco's certainly. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, I'm excited to, to kind of see what, you know, we can do, um, not just as a team, you and I, but, um, you know, to see what WSL Pure can do over the next few years. Cheers, buddy. All right. Thanks, Ace. Good to catch cool, up, Cool. Thank you. So there it is. Your 2019 WSL Pure Award winner for Outstanding Ocean Advocacy, Ace Bucken. It was a real honor to get to grant this to Ace, and I only wish I could have done it in person, but so it goes. Um, I just love the example that Ace sets for our athletes, for surfers around the world. He is truly... Um, a really kind human being. He's a great dad. He's a great, um, you know, uh, guy on tour. Everyone respects him. Um, great environmentalist always gives us time and, you know, we really appreciate it. So thank you again for joining us and for all you do for the ocean. Um, and we're stoked about climate council. Uh, they are an amazing organization. Uh, I can't wait to see what ACE does with climate council. You can find links to both ACE and climate council in the show notes. Do check them out. We also have links to PEP 11. If you live in Australia and want to learn more about that project. Um, and I also want to say thanks to our friends at Hydroflask for supporting this episode. Uh, we really appreciate it. Check out their refill for good campaign. Really, really simple. Remember, get yourself a good reusable bottle. Uh, makes it really easy to avoid plastic bottles. Um, ditch the clamshells when you go out for lunch. That's a super simple one. And uh, always skip the single-use straw. You don't need it. All right, you got this. Thank you, Hydroflask. Hit up hydroflask.com to check out their stuff or find them on social at Hydroflask. And of course, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor. Throw us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. If you got some feedback, hit us up one ocean at wcellpure.org. Find us on social at wcellpure and uh, keep in touch. All right, until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, stay connected, stay engaged in the fight, stay resilient, and uh, stay tuned. Thanks.